So if you guys would pray with me, we'll jump into the message. Lord, I pray that these are your words. I pray that this is accurate to your word. Lord, you brought everybody here for a reason. And, and Lord, your word tells us that when we speak your truth accurately, it doesn't return void, that it accomplishes what it needs to accomplish. And so, Lord, would you prepare our hearts to hear, but Lord, even for me, would you give me the words to say that that's true and accurate to who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we are continuing on with the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm getting to the point where I'm going to have to make my recaps pretty short, otherwise my entire message is going to be the recap of the past ones. So I'm going to try to go through this pretty quickly, but basically the fruit of the Spirit are important to know, not just to have a list of things, but to really be able to look at our life and say, am I being led by the Spirit of God or am I being led by my flesh? Because the Bible tells us that they're doing, they're waging war with each other. And so the Bible tells us, here's a list of things that are going to flow out of your life, that are going to grow out of your life if you're being led by the Spirit of God that lives in you. Here's a list of things that are going to grow and spill out of your life if you're being led by your own sinful nature. And so we can kind of soberly look at our life and we can start to decide, who am I being led by? And so this is so important for us to know. And so we, we started with love, this idea that this is the most important. You have to start with love. If love is not growing out of your life, if love is not spilling out of your life, then nothing else you do is even going to matter. And this is not love like we like to define it, which is very selfish, very what's in it for me. This is a selfless, sacrificial love that puts others first like Jesus did. And that love, our flesh can't create. Our sinful nature doesn't know how to love like that. So if we have that kind of love spilling out of our life, then we know that's the Spirit of God in us. And what our flesh is going to do is going to be selfish. Then we looked at joy and how joy is not happiness. It's actually a refuge. It's actually our strong tower. We always think of joy as the result of good times, but joy is actually what we need in the bad times so that we don't fall apart. And, and that's what our spirit, the spirit of God that lives in us, will create joy because we know who God is. We know what he's done, what he's promised. But our flesh will turn to envy. What does everybody else have? Is their right now better than my right now? And that's what our flesh is always looking for where the Spirit of God that lives in us never struggles with envy. It's always full of joy because it knows what God has done and what God has promised to do. And then last week we talked about peace and how peace is one of those things that we tend to view as it's when things are calm. It's when things are quiet. And that's what peace is. But this biblical word that's listed here in the fruit of the Spirit isn't that at all. It's this idea of being made whole everything being unified. The things that are meant to be together are together. And how that is what really should grow out of our life is we should create wholeness and peace in our life. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's what Jesus did when he came to earth. That's why we have a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of reconciliation, of being brought back together from the thing that we were separated from. And we talked about how really that's at the heart of God and our enemy. God is always trying to reconcile things, bring things back together, things that were meant to be together. He's bringing them together by, the, by his work. 
And the enemy is always trying to wedge between things, tear things apart. That's what's constantly going on in the spiritual realm. And how we, if we're being led by the Spirit of God, are going to be peacemakers. We're going to be making wholeness where possible. But if we're being led by our flesh, one of the the fruits of our flesh is going to be dissension, which is creating kind of useless factions, always separating, always creating another click and one more click. And, well, you don't wear quite the same clothes and you don't listen to the same music and and we're always separating, separating. That's not the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of God restores, brings together, makes whole. And so that brings us up to where we are right now. And today, I said last week that if you were to view the fruit of the Spirit kind of like a buffet line where you picked and choose which fruit you want, which, by the way, doesn't work. You have to kind of stay in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's going to lead you through this. Last week was one that you might want to pick, like peace. We all want more peace. And today is another one of those where if you were to try to look at the fruit of the Spirit like a buffet line and pick what you want, most of us would pick this, and it's patience, right? How many of you guys have ever asked God for patience? How many of you have regretted asking God for patience, right? Patience is one of those things we all kind of know we need. We all feel like we're lacking it, and we're aware of it. And so we tend to look at God and say, God, can you just download some patience into my life? And that's not really how God works, right? He doesn't just download stuff into our lives. He's going to put us through situations that grow patience in our life. And that's where most of us regret praying for patience because we didn't realize what you have to go through to gain patience. But this is going to be another one like last week where we have to define this accurately because most of us probably aren't even defining this word correctly. So for most of us, if we were to say, what does patience mean? We might view it somewhere in line with, I don't get upset easily, right? I'm slow to get upset. People can be frustrating. People can be slow. People cannot listen. And I'll just not get as upset. Now, that is biblical. The Bible does tell us be slow to anger But that's really not what patience is. And so if that's what you're kind of viewing patience as, is I just don't get upset. Things just don't bother me. Then you're going to be off because that's really not what this word means. That's, That's a different thing. And like I said, that is biblical. You should work on not getting angry as fast. But that's really at its core, not what patience is. In fact, I actually don't like the word patience here that much. And I want to go back to an old school word. I grew up with, with the King James Version. Anyone else grew up with the King James Version? I've got a, a few of you. I, I'm, not, I'm not a snob when it comes to translations. I'm like, look, if you're going to read the Bible, read the Bible. As long as it's not like incorrect theologically, if you want a different word, that's fine. But anyone remember what this word patience was in the King James Version? Long-suffering. That's not as fun of a word, is it? We don't like that word, because what's in that word? Suffering. That's half of the word, is suffering. And if you view patience as, I no longer have to suffer. I no longer get upset. I'm just kind of like, flow through life. It's all good, man. Like, that's not long-suffering, because half of the word is suffering. Is, you are going to be upset. 
You are going to be frustrated, and that's part of it. This is what that word means. When it says that this is something that will, will flow out of your life, will spill out of your life, will grow out of your life, if you are being led by the Spirit of God. It's not like, oh, everything's cool. It's long-suffering. We don't like that. At least I don't. Hopefully you guys are with me. I would rather not suffer if you give me the option, right? If I can say either you can be comfortable and nothing bothers you, or you can be frustrated and suffering, which one do you want? I'm going to pick comfort 100% of the time. But this simply is not what the Bible teaches is going to grow out of the life of a Christian. You know you are not promised comfort. You guys know that. That's not a promise. Now, you're promised peace, like we talked about. But life will get uncomfortable, even if you're being led by the Spirit. Life will get uncomfortable. And I've thought before, and maybe you're like this, how do patience and long-suffering, how are they the same? How are they interchangeable? That seems like they're totally different things. But do you know that patience and suffering are very much connected? I'm going to read to you a verse about Jesus that's going to seem completely not connected to this at all. And you're going to have to stay with me. So this is Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And this is after Jesus was resurrected. It says, After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, why am I reading you that verse? What does that verse have to do with anything? Well, that verse has a very important word, and you probably saw it. The word suffering is in that verse. Do you know where we get the word suffering from? The word passion. Have you guys ever wondered why the movie was called The Passion of the Christ? It's because passion and suffering are actually interchangeable. Those are the same word. That's why it's called Passion Week. Is the week that Jesus led up to the cross was called Passion Week. It's not just because Jesus felt strongly. It's because he suffered that week. In fact, the, the definition of the word passion if you go back to the original languages, that with which you are afflicted with. Now, why would we use that word? You know, when, when I think of passion, you always just think of, I feel strongly. You know, we, we tend to think of it in a romantic sense. I'm, I'm passionate for my spouse. But this is a very different word that we have to understand because basically the word passion means that you have something that you're willing to suffer for. That's what it means to have passion. And that's the difference between being good at something and having a passion for something. And you can look at any career. You can look at sports people and you can see the athletes that are gifted and you can see the athletes that are passionate because the athletes that are passionate are willing to suffer to do it. They're willing to put in the work. They're willing to be uncomfortable all the time because they have a passion for what they're doing. And that's why for a lot of people, having a passion is almost like a negative because you're like, now you're going to suffer because you have something that you're willing to suffer for. And most of us, when we look at patience, we're like, I just don't want to suffer anymore. I want to kind of be numb. I want to be able to just flow through life and not get upset, not suffer, just go with the flow. And that's not what this word is. This word is, you will suffer 
but you will have the passion to do it. You will be willing to suffer because you'll be willing to pay the cost. You see, the, the Bible says that Jesus went to the cross because of the prize set before him, which, by the way, is you. You guys know that. Jesus did not want to endure the cross. He said, Father, take this from me. But it says he thought of the prize and he had passion for the prize and he was willing to pay the cost. And that's us. And that's where if, if you don't take anything else away from this today, and this is a little off topic, but I think someone here might need to hear this, is that Jesus is passionate for you. He's willing to pay the cost for you, and he was. And that is why when he says, you need to be passionate for me, you need to be willing to pay the cost and suffer, he did it first for us. And so this idea of long-suffering is, if you are being led by the Spirit, the Spirit of God has passion. The Spirit of God is willing to be uncomfortable, willing to pay the cost for what it knows it wants, what it knows is important. And so if you're being led by the Spirit of God, you are going to be willing to suffer. Now, I'm not, for some people in the world, suffering might be a very physical thing. They might be getting attacked or, or they might be getting hunted down. But for most of us, that's not what it is. Some of us, it's, it's emotional stuff that we got we to gotta suffer through. For some of us, it's, it's just our own expectations of what life should be, or, or it's just that willingness to give up some dreams that you once had. There's all sorts of different ways that we have to be willing to pay the cost for what God is asking us to do. But it's this idea of even when things get hard, even when things get uncomfortable, we don't give up. That's the long part of suffering. You have to be willing to see it through, even as things get uncomfortable, even as things get tense. Now, I might lose some of you here, but again, please stick with me because I think this is really powerful. So we've always done, here's the fruit of the Spirit, and here's the fruit of the flesh. And they're, they're opposite. And you can pick it out. Now there is a word that, that is used in the list of this is the fruit of your flesh. This is, this is the actions that you will see spill out of your life if your flesh is involved. And there is a word that is used in that list that's only used twice in the Bible. And it's the word witchcraft. Now we're getting into October. It's getting into spooky season. So when you, when you think of witchcraft, you probably think of, you know, someone with a black hat and green skin, you know, stirring up a big pot. But when you look at, in the Bible, what witchcraft and sorcery represented, what, what was the point? Because it actually talks quite a bit about it in the Old Testament. The people of God quite a bit were tempted with this kind of sorcery, with this supernatural outside of God temptation. And so we have to figure out why would Paul include this in the list of things that you're going to see spill out of your life if your flesh is involved. So what witchcraft, what it represented in the Old Testament was supernatural things that you didn't need God for. So for most of us, and, and let's even talk about that word supernatural. So there's certain things in life that are explainable. Like, hey, I did this and it caused this. I ate some food, so I was full. 
I was tired, so I went to bed, and I felt better when I woke up. These are natural things. These are things that are explainable. In the life of a Christian, you should expect there to be supernatural things, things that are not explainable, things that you can say, wow, only God could have made that happen. And those are kind of promises that we have as as Christians. God gives us these supernatural promises of ways he's going to show up in our life, ways that he's going to help us. But the problem is to see those promises come to fruition, we have to obey God and be underneath God, and we have to wait for his timing. How many of you guys like God's timing on stuff? It's tough. It's tough. God's timing is tough. But if you go back to Leviticus, this is verse 19, verse 31. It says, Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritualists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So this was a problem. And you would think, how could the people of God have this problem? They're God's chosen people. He's given them promises. He's doing miracles. Why would they need to turn somewhere else for the supernatural? Why would they have to turn somewhere else for miracles? And why would they be willing to let themselves be defiled for that? Because that word defiled just means to be made unclean, to be made unpure, to, to, to let things into your life that are not pure, that should not be there. But here's what we just talked about. It's, it's, a, it's a lot about timing. So I want you to view this idea of suffering as a fire, right? You guys know the Bible talks about walking through fire. There's this idea that there's, there's a fire that we walk through as Christians. And that's that, that willingness to be uncomfortable, that willingness to suffer. And the Bible also talks about being refined. Have you guys ever heard that word refined? God's a refiner. He has a refining fire. And what that is talking about is, is in, in this time in the Old Testament and, and still to this day, gold was pretty much the most valuable resource there was. But for gold to be valuable, it has to be refined. And the more refined it is, the more pure it is, the more valuable it is. Anyone who's gotten an engagement ring or whatever, you've learned that lesson. There's carrots and there's all sorts of stuff that we can understand. How refined is this? How much impurity is there in this? Because the less impurity, the more it's worth. And God is doing that to us. And so what they did back in Old Testament times, and I, I got to assume it's still pretty similar today, although there's probably more technology, is they took gold that had a bunch of impurities in it, and they heated it up. It put it, they put it in a fire. And, and as the gold got hot, what happened was the impurities, the things that shouldn't be there, got raised to the top. They spilled out of the gold so that they could be removed. Because you can't remove the impurities until they're up to the top. You have to get them out of there. You see, I think this is what most of us don't like about suffering. is because we don't like what difficult, intense situations bring out of us. Right? Am I the only one? I don't like it. Because there's stuff in me that I'm pretty good at hiding. Right? We're all good at hiding it. Right? my temper or my whininess or, or whatever. There's things that as long as things are good, 
We can push them down and no one sees them. They don't come to the surface. But when we go through the fire, when we have to suffer, when we have to be in uncomfortable situations, those things find a way to come out of us, right? And we don't like that. We like to be in control of what we show. I only want the world to see the good part of me and, and the bad parts of me. I want to keep pushed down. The problem is, if we can keep them pushed down, we will never be refined. We can't get those out of us if we never let them be brought to the surface. That's the whole point of the fire, is it brings those things up to the surface so they can be dealt with. You see, that's why we don't like to look to God for the supernatural, for his promises. This is why we are tempted to look elsewhere, is because with God, his promises are going to come on his timing, and it's going to force us to walk through some fire and be refined and have some things be brought to the surface that we don't want to be brought to the surface. But what you have to trust about God is he's not bringing those things to the surface just to, to make you look like a fool. He's bringing those things to the surface because he wants to refine you. He wants to get those things out of your life. But see, a lot of us, when it comes to the supernatural, the promises of God, the things that we're waiting for in our life, it's just hard to suffer through. It's hard to stay in the fire. We want shortcuts to this. We live in a shortcut society, but this is nothing new. The Israelites were guilty of this over and over again. That's why they struggled to turn to, to sorcery and witchcraft, even though they were God's people, because it's like, God, you're taking too long. You're keeping me in the fire for too long. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm going to look outside of you to get what you are supposed to be giving me because then I can be in more control of it and I can get out of this fire. And this is what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says. It says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. See, that's, that's what is so important about long-suffering. That's what's so important about patience is it allows you to stay in the fire long enough to receive those promises that God get, wants to give you. But you need the Spirit of God to do that because your flesh wants to get out of the fire, right? Take your hand, put it on a hot stove. What does it do? It moves. It doesn't want to be in that. It's everything in you is like, this is painful. I want out. Find me a way out. But the Bible is clear that we serve a God who's a refining fire. See, God's heart for us is that through our long suffering, we are refined. And that's his heart. And I will tell you, I've been through some fires. Right, Les? You can attest. We've been through some fires. And every single time, I was looking for a shortcut. Every single time. But the times I was willing to stay in, at the end of it, yes, there were promises that God gave me that were amazing, that were beautiful, that I'm so glad I didn't take shortcuts to go get. But I will tell you, I would give up those promises in a heartbeat to keep the refinement that happened in me through the process. See, that's the beauty of doing things God's way. Not only do you receive all of those amazing promises, but in the process, you become something that you didn't even know you could become because you allowed yourself to be refined in the fire. And that's why long-suffering is so important 
is not only does it allow us to stick things out, to see things through, to see God's promises done his way on his timing, but it actually allows us to be refined in the process. And that is the beauty of it. And that's why patience is so important in our life. Because I will be honest with you, you're going to go through really uncomfortable situations if you're waiting for God to deliver what he's promised. It's not always going to happen right away. Sometimes it will, but oftentimes it's not. And it's going to be a fire. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to be painful. And you're going to have to stick it out. And you're going to have to walk through it. But at the end of it, not only is God going to be faithful to keep all his promises, but you will see that you have been refined in the process and you're no longer who you were before. And if you're anything like me, that's going to be what you hold on to the tightest. Most of you guys know the story of Joseph, right? The ultimate person who had to have long suffering, right? Because God made promises to him. He had dreams when he was a child. He had dreams that he was going to lead. He was going to lead all his brothers. He was going to lead a nation, right? So he's got this promise. Okay, God, I've got a promise from you. It's supernatural. It's impossible. He was the youngest. He's never going to lead his brothers. That's an impossible, supernatural thing to happen. Okay, God, you have a promise. Now I'm going to walk it out, and I'm immediately going to get sold into slavery. That's not a great start. That's not a great start to the promise that God gave you. Suffering immediately, put into a fire immediately. Okay, God, all right, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the slavery. I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to be, I'm going I'm to be faithful to who you are. Gets accused falsely and gets thrown into prison. It's like, okay, God, what's going on? You gave me this promise, and all I get is a fire. All I get is trials. But he stuck it out. He stayed faithful. He didn't give up. Even in prison, even as people forgot about him who promised they wouldn't, but eventually, he saw the promise happen. And not only did he receive the promise, but when the promise came, he was who he needed to be because he had been refined that whole time in the fire. This is what Joseph said himself. Because his brothers had to come to him. Because his brothers were starving to death. And they realized that he was still alive. And they thought that he was going to kill them all, which I probably would think the same thing. So they were terrified. And this is what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5. It says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He's like, I, yeah, I had to go through this fire. This was part of it. And now not only did God deliver his promise, because that's what Joseph was leading his brothers. He was leading nations. But he was who he needed to be. In that, You see, that's kind of part of the fire is God will actually use the fire to prepare you and you might not be ready for the promise yet. If Joseph, when he was the youngest, spoiled little brat, which I can say because I was the youngest, so I can say that, he was not the person he needed to be for that promise. If God put him in charge of nations as a spoiled little brat, he would not have been ready. But it was through the fire that he became the person that he needed to be for that. We see this even in the Old Testament. When, when God freed the Israelites from Egypt, and he says, I have this promised land for you, right? Another promise, a supernatural promise from God. 
But it says that he knew he could not take them right there because they were going to have to have battles that they weren't ready for yet. So it says he took them the long way so that by the time they got there, they would be strong enough to take the land he promised. See, that fire is not your enemy. That fire is there to prepare you for the promise. The fire is not proof that you're not going to get the promise. The fire is the preparation for it. And that is why long-suffering is so important. See it through. Don't look for shortcuts, right? And for, some of, for most of us, witchcraft is not what we're going to turn to. But we all have our little shortcuts that we try to take to get out of the fire, right? And I'm not even going to try to list them all because there's probably a thousand little shortcuts that we have to get ourselves out of the fire that God has us walk through. But we have to be able to say no. We have to be able to see it through. We have to be willing to be refined on our way to the promises so that once we get there, not only is the promise from God and not from a shortcut, but now we are actually prepared to receive it. We're who we need to be. I can promise you. Should I tell this story? What time is it? I'm going to tell this story. Sorry. When I was an associate. No, I wasn't even. I was a youth and children's pastor. I knew I was called to be a lead pastor, and I was like positive that it was going to happen right away. Any of you guys have a promise from God, and you're like, oh, so like next week this is going to happen? It doesn't happen, and immediately everything fell apart, and I had to go through a huge journey. I had to go two years out of ministry Worked for a, a private college, was trying to get people to enroll in school, going, God, what on earth am I doing? This is as far away from being a pastor as you could possibly take me. And I've been through so many journeys, and all of a sudden I arrived at being a lead pastor, and I thought, oh my goodness, if you would have given me this right away, I would have fallen flat on my face. I was not who I needed to be for this promise. Thank you so much for putting me through that fire because that actually made me ready for this. And, and I just want to speak to some of you guys. If you're waiting on a promise right now and all you've gotten is a fire instead, don't give up. That's actually proof that the promise is coming because if God wasn't going to give you the promise, he wouldn't have put you in the fire to prepare you for the promise. And so today, this is my heart is the Spirit of God that lives in you knows how to suffer. He showed it to us when he died on the cross. The Spirit of God knows. When we're being led by the Spirit, we're willing to stick through the fire because that's who God is. But if we're being led by our flesh, we're going to look for any shortcut to get out of the fire, any way to, to get a counterfeit promise that's not really it but close enough and we don't have to suffer for it. We're going to look for that. And I encourage all of us Stick it out. Stay in the fire. Allow yourself to be refined and watch what happens when that promise comes. Not only will you receive it in its fullness the way God intended, but you'll be ready for it. You'll be refined and you'll be the person that God needs to give that promise to. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray. I want to pray over you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your promises. Lord, I thank you that you give us such powerful and good gifts, Lord. We sang it this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, Lord, that there are promises 
that we can look to you for. And Lord, as hard as it is to pray, thank you for the fire that leads to it. Lord, thank you for the refinement that comes. Thank you that we don't get it right away all the time. That there is a process to it, Lord God. That we don't just get to make demands and check things off list. And Lord, I pray that for each of us, you give us the patience to stick in it, to stay in the fire, to not give up, Lord, to see the promises be delivered on your timing and that we become who we were called to be along the way, Lord. We just, we, we love you. And Lord, I just pray right now, if there's somebody here who's close to giving up, God, I pray that you give them strength right now, just supernatural strength, that Lord, maybe they, they barely stumbled their way into church and they had to put on a fake smile and say everything was okay. But Lord, deep down, they know they're, they're, they're ready to give up. I pray that you just give them strength. Give them strength to see it through. Give them confidence to know that fire is not a punishment. That fire is not you trying to punish them for not being good enough. That fire is, is your love. That's refinement. That's making you into, making them into who you've called them to be. God, we need you. And Lord, I pray that you give us the patience to do things your way on your time, Lord God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.